Good morning and welcome to Echoes of Calvary. This is your host, Greg Sweeting. Thank you for opening your home to us this morning. I invite you to now open your hearts and worship with us as we share from the Word of God. Stay with us as we share comments and illustrations with a spiritual application, present special music to call us to worship, and in a few minutes, Pastor Alan Lee will come to share insights from Scripture and explain how to apply God's Word that we might grow to be complete in Christ. I just finished watching the new mini-series on the History Channel called The Bible. I was pleased to see the promotions and advertising relative to its airing. It had great reviews and recommendations as far as I can tell. The numerous advertisers even surprised me. I mean, I was pleasantly surprised that so many different companies were prepared to advertise alongside the showing of the series. In today's secularist society and the general politically correct stance of much of the West, especially America, it was a little surprising to me how well everything went down. And as I say, that so many were prepared to be identified with the showing. I believe there were over four evenings, and by design, the last was shown on Easter Sunday. The resurrection in the film that day, we remember the resurrection all over the world. And so it was a fitting and appropriate match, I guess. As I watched the series, I thought several times, if I was the producer of this series and I wanted to tell the stories from the Bible, making sure to keep the big picture in mind, of course, the way God has dealt with people from the beginning of time and how, through it all, his aim was to provide a means of salvation, culminating with the sending of his son, of Calvary and the resurrection, and, of course, his soon coming again. How would I have chosen to do it? It is an incredible story, of course, a very involved story, a story that covers a period from the creation of the world and does not even have an ending, a story of how God's love pursued his creation and how his creation frequently abandoned him to follow after their own desires. But God was always there. I wondered how I would decide which stories to include and which stories to leave out so that I would be true to the book so that I would not be in danger of selecting those stories I liked and leaving others out that in the end the story would not be honoring to God and would possibly even mislead people. It must have been an awesome task. In my opinion, I would have done several things differently, of course. I believe they left things out that I would have been sure to include. Sometimes I feel the pieces that they left out ended up showing a different perspective than I believe is the real story in the Bible. Not that the message changed completely, just certain perspectives. Some of this, I'm sure, was due to the producer deciding how to weave the story in a medium of film for a television audience. If you watched it, then I believe you'll understand what I mean. The bottom line is that thousands of people were again introduced to the greatest story ever told. We will appreciate the impact that the show had in the lives of people when we get to heaven one day. A small example of what I mean when I say that some things I would have done differently if I was the producer of the Bible is actually the segment when Peter is asked to go to the house of Cornelius. This is a very critical moment when, against everything Peter had ever believed and every Jewish custom that he'd ever been taught, 
and all of these things were being called into question. God had chosen Peter to change the world by taking the gospel to the Gentile world. One cannot, this far away from the world in which Peter lived, fully comprehend how serious was this decision. It was actually anathema to the Jews. God was their God, yet Peter was being instructed to open the way of salvation through faith in his Lord Jesus to Gentiles. You remember he was sleeping and God sent him a dream which concluded that there is no longer anything unclean for the Jew, and he was told to go with some men who were coming for him. With all the persecution that had been experienced, it is incredible how calmly Peter followed the servants from Cornelius, a Roman who had sent for him. The result was Cornelius and his household were saved and baptized into the faith, thus opening a whole new chapter in God's plan of salvation. The film omitted the dream part and the images that convinced Peter that God was telling him to go to Gentiles. Instead, the film depicted Jesus appearing to Peter, telling him not to be afraid as the visitors arrived and knocked on his door. Maybe I'm being pedantic and too much of a purist, but I feel they lost something powerful in their admission. Saying that, I'm glad that they produced the film and that it has been aired to thousands of interested people. The DVD is available, of course, in Nassau if you want to have a copy of it to show your friends and neighbours. Once I went walking down a long, lonely road. I thought I had no one who would share my heavy load. Then my mind went soaring back to a place I'd never been. And I realized I was standing at the foot of my king. There were three lonely crosses on a hillside that day. And as I looked at my Savior, I cried, Lord, take me away. pierced his head he cried father forgive and then my savior was dead well I stood there in silence thinking Lord how can this be that your beloved son he gave his life just for me. Then I heard a sweet voice whisper, Child, lift up your head. For the one that you see hanging there, Well, Jesus, he's not dead. He's alive. Good. 
came back from the grave and he won the victory. He's alive, he's alive. No death could not hold him. He's alive, he's alive. Oh, the stone, it was rolled away. Satan thought he won the battle when Jesus died on that tree. Oh, but Jesus came back from the grave and he won the victory. Yes, Jesus came back from the grave and he won the victory. And now with this message for today, here's our pastor, Alan Lee. Good morning. We are interrupting our series we have entitled The Human Difference, in which we are seeking to show the impact of the truth that man was made in the image of God and what it has upon the Christian's response to such social dilemmas as homosexuality, same-sex marriage, capital punishment, abortion, and even stem cell research and resulted treatment, which, by the way, was to be the next topic discussed after having dealt with same-sex marriage and capital punishment. However, due to a reason I will explain in a moment, I have decided to interrupt our current series and to begin another. I've entitled this new series, The Task of the Church in an Age of Apostasy, which is, in actuality, a verse-by-verse exposition of the epistle of James. Now let me explain why I am beginning this series. Jude himself intended to write a theology on the salvation of the believer in Christ. But then, due to a pressing current problem with false teachers and those who are mishandling the word of God, Jude was compelled instead to exhort believers to contend or to fight earnestly for the faith that was once and for all committed or delivered to the saints. My friends, I have experienced the same compulsion during the past few weeks. I have been saddened and appalled at the way men and women who profess to be preaching the word of God mishandle and misinterpret that word to meet their own selfish and financial needs. I became convicted that we must speak out against such misuse of God's word by those who are professing to be God's servants. And of course, the book of James came readily to mind as I was thinking about this issue. Now, there are numerous prophecies and signs given in the scriptures regarding the church in what the scriptures call the last days. One of the most prominent is that of apostasy, a departure from the true faith. The most striking and sobering fact, however, regarding this sad state of affairs is that it is going to be brought about by professing Christians within the organized local church. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul, for instance, as he addressed the elders or pastors of the Ephesian church in Acts chapter 20, beginning at verse 28. Quote, Keep watch over yourselves 
and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. I know that after I leave, savage wolves will come in among you and will not spare the flock. Even from your own number, men will arise and distort the truth in order to draw away disciples after them. So be on your guard. End of quote. My friends, this is happening right now. But listen also to First Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. This is where the Holy Spirit now identifies the source of erroneous teaching. Hear his words. The Spirit clearly says that in later times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. End of quote. Note, it's not things taught about demons. It's things that are taught by demons. So he's saying that these false teachers and those who mishandle and misinterpret the word and preach it as the word of God, really it's demons who are teaching through them. My friends, this is serious spiritual business we're talking about. Jude says that he was experiencing the fulfillment of these prophecies even in his day. This is the burden that was pressing upon his soul and the motivation for writing his epistle. He could not sit by idly and see ungodly men posing as godly teachers to lead the people of God astray. He had to warn them of the dangers involved in denying the faith by replacing it with human opinions, human philosophies, and false and erroneous teachings. And as we shall see in our study, he calls upon both history and the apostles to approve the validity and importance of his appeal. And so I want to encourage you now to get your Bibles and follow along as we begin by looking at the first four verses of chapter 1 of the Epistle of Jude. Now the epistle opens with the identification of the author. It says, Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Now, in spite of several other suggestions, the best evidence here seems to indicate that the Jude spoken of here is the half-brother of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, who was also, of course, the half-brother of James, one of the twelve apostles, and the author of the epistle that bear his names, the book of James. So we have then two books in the New Testament written by members of the human family of Jesus Christ, James and Jude. Now, after identifying himself, Jude next identifies the recipients of his letter, the people to whom he's writing. He says, To those who have been called, who are loved by God the Father and kept by Jesus Christ. Aren't they wonderful words? Called, loved by God the Father, and kept by Jesus Christ. Jude was writing to a specific congregation of believers in his day. Now, of course, they are the historical or primary recipients. The letter was written directly and specifically to them. However, through the sovereign control of the Holy Spirit, he was also writing for us today and for believers throughout history. Although it was not written directly to us, it is written specifically for us nonetheless. He's writing then for all believers in Christ, 
all local churches today, yours and mine. He's writing to the people of God today. Jude, as was usual in his day, next gives a salutation or greeting in verse 2. This is what he says. Mercy, peace, and love be yours in abundance. Another translation has it. May mercy and peace and love be multiplied to you. And so Jude is praying that believers might experience the mercy, the love, and the peace of God to the fullest extent in multiplied abundance. And my friends, that is also my prayer for you as we study the Word of God together today and in the days ahead. But Jude next explains how the Spirit of God motivated him to change the intent and content of his original letter. Notice what he says in verse 3. Dear friends, although I was very eager to write to you about the salvation we share, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the saints. Now that word contend can be translated to fight, to fight for the faith. Now, this is a valid and a vivid description of how the Holy Spirit moved or carried along the writers of the Bible to record what he wanted to be recorded as Holy Scripture. Because remember, Peter says in Second Peter 1.21, listen carefully now, prophecy never had its origin in the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. Jude is saying to us right here that he was being carried along by the Holy Spirit as he wrote what he did. In other words, his words are God's words to us today. The words are inspired and recorded by men moved or carried along by the Holy Spirit. Now, many people make the mistake of saying that as the man who wrote the Bible was inspired. That is not true accurately or theologically. They were moved along by the Holy Spirit, and what they wrote was the inspired Word of God, the breathed-out words of God. The divine and human cooperation resulted in the written Word of God we now call the Bible. This is what church theologians call the deposit of faith, or, to use Jude's word, the faith, once and for all delivered to the saints, or to the body of Christ, which is his church. He's not speaking about a building or an institution, mind you, but to individual believers who have placed faith alone in Christ alone as the basis for their salvation. Picture Jude then, if you will, sitting down, twill, or pen in hand, ready to write to believers a theology about the salvation we all share in, or as the King James Version says, to write about a common salvation. But as Jude begins to write, the Spirit of God begins to speak to his inner man, to move him. And perhaps it went something like this. Hey Jude, hold on. Why write about this subject of the salvation of individuals? Paul has already written a complete treatise on the subject of the Christians at Rome. It deals in detail, in a very comprehensive manner, with the salvation that we share. He also wrote about it to the Galatians. I want you to write about something that is even more pressing at this particular time. 
That's what Jude got the feeling or prompting by the Holy Spirit to write about contending or fighting for the faith once and for all delivered to the saints. Now this tells us that Jude was sensitive to the Spirit's leading in his life, that he was discerning between his own thoughts and those of the Spirit's. How, my friends, we need the same sense of discernment today. How many of us confuse our own wishes and desires and feelings with that of the Holy Spirit because we fail to examine and test our feelings and motivations more carefully against the standard of God's Word? Don't you hear it all the time from well-meaning but oftentimes mistaken Christians? God told me to tell you this, or God spoke to me this morning, or the Spirit moved me to say what I just did or said. Now, there is no discernment or evaluation of the Spirit being involved at all, just feelings. I felt like it, and so I did it, and I believe it's the Spirit of God who told me to do it. And so a person would say, I felt the Lord or the Spirit's telling me to do it. But friends, how do we discern between our feelings, our own spirit, and that of the Holy Spirit? The answer is simple. Check it against the Word of God. The faith once for all deposited to and with the saints. Now, I believe that we try to cover a lot of our own selfish ambitions by saying, the Spirit led me or God told me to do or to say something. And all the time, we are being led by our own desires and even our own human spirit acting apart from the indwelling Holy Spirit. But here with Jude, Jude is being carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is a vivid illustration of divine overshadowing of the Holy Spirit to produce the living, inerrant, written word of God, the inerrant word of God that Jude wants us to contend for. And even as the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary to produce Jesus, the sinless, living word of God, so the Holy Spirit was overshadowing Jude at this particular case, to help produce the written inerrant word of God. In both cases, the human and divine interacted to bring about a divine product. What a wise God we serve, my friends. What a wonderful God. But Jude continues, he says, I felt I had to write and urge you to contend for the faith that is once for all entrusted to the saints. He says, I had to urge you. This is a strong word here. I want to urge you. I want to forcibly impact you with this thought, with this exhortation, to contend for the faith. That's the word of God that was once and for all entrusted to the saints. What a fantastic statement this is. But unfortunately, our time is gone for today. We'll have to resume our study at this point next time. Until then, this is Pastor Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things. It could happen in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. It could happen in a moment, he could break the eastern sky. Feel unworthy, yet 
You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee, address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And so we come to an end of this broadcast. I invite you to think about the message this morning. Consider the one who is our Savior and Lord. Grow to be complete in Him. And remember, as echoes from Calvary stir in your heart, keep listening for that shout, Maranatha, the Lord is coming soon. Great command is promised, he will surely come again. I am listening every moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our toiling will be happen in a moment, Jesus Christ could come again. I am listening every listening moment for the mighty trumpet sound. What a time we'll have together when the saints shall leave the ground and our toiling will be in a moment Jesus Christ could come again